We've been talking a little bit already, but um, looking forward to a good conversation ahead, and we'll get started right after this. Welcome to Kingdom Talks, where we engage leaders, teachers, creative artists, and everyday people in conversations that awaken listeners to new revelations of the kingdom age. All of our courses, community conversations, partnership links, and much more can be found on our website, kingdomtalksmedia.com. Now, enjoy the show. All right, everybody, I'm excited to have Timothy on. Um, always a deep conversation. And I know, Timothy, you've been working with um, uh, Terry Spencer and Nina Hayden. Uh, got a lot of things going on there. But uh, just just share with us what's on your heart and what, what you feel Father's wanting to share with everybody out there. Well, f- first of all, Gil, I want to really encourage anybody in the body of Christ that's focusing on their community. Uh, I feel like... The, you know, three big changes have happened for me this year. Um, I prayed for that for a long time, but one of those was really starting to move in a gift of faith. And the the gift of faith is not something that I can take credit for. It's just I feel like I stepped into an impartation from praying and travailing for a long time over my own city, and I got a word from the Lord that revival would come to Oklahoma City where I had labored for more than 28 years. And, but the Lord said to me, I want you to go out to other places and bring it uh, where I show you because the first fruit's gonna be in other parts of the land. And if you'll be faithful to impart that to other places, then I'll bring it to your home. And I had focused and labored for so long on the local area and not traveled as much, even though I was communicating with people all over the world, but, um, I felt this surge of faith when God said it to me. And, and, and it started with the question where Jesus just asked me, do you believe that every man, woman, and child in your city can be saved? Hmm. And I thought about what would it take for that to happen? First of all, I'd like to see it, but I wasn't sure I could answer, yes, I believe that. Yeah. So I, I did I did the, the typical disciple thing. I said, well, help my unbelief. I, I want to <laughs> believe it, but help, help what, I, what I fall short of. That and I just felt like the Lord, he pressed something into me. Um, it actually goes back to at least 1990, um, where a group of ministers in Oklahoma City began praying for that. And that was mentioned by a couple of different uh, ones. And and at that time, I think we just couldn't conceive it. We couldn't imagine what you would have to change to see that happen. Yeah. When I said, yes, I believe that <laughs> whatever that takes, I'm willing to do. Um, my focus transformed a whole lot first. And this is one thing I want to just say to the body of Christ, that whenever Jesus starts talking to us about transformation or about revival or awakening, First of all, he's always willing to do that. We're not really waiting on him. He's waiting on us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Revival comes as soon as we repent. That's, it's, it's a very simple formula. And if we want a move of God, we have to move. So Jesus just said to me very clearly, in order for you to have the things you've been praying for and see every man, woman, and child saved in a territory, you're going to have to let me change everything. So your focus is all what I'm doing instead of what you're doing. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's and, so important. You know, the switch is right there in Scripture where Jesus only did what he saw his father do and said only what he heard his father say. But to live that lifestyle, well, that's all I'm doing, is it, it became a goal. And, I, and I'm, I'm not in any way saying that I'm there, but I'm, I'm praying that every day help me only do that. And what I found is I, I had to repent for a, a false motive. <clears throat> it wasn't a knockdown, you know, you know, cry and weep type repentance. It was just, oh, I didn't know I was doing that, but boy, I'll change yeah. that. And the false <laughs> motive was asking a holy, glorious, wonder-filled, miraculous God to come in and endorse what I was doing instead of asking for the privilege and benefit to come in and endorse what he's doing. Yeah. And yeah, it didn't sound like it was that big of a transformation, but once I said yes to that, I thought <laughs> the first thing went was ministry. The next thing that went was church. The next thing that went was, you know, <laughs> a lot of my friendships. And, and I just felt like I got plowed up for about 12 years. That was just over and over and over. It was go down, go down, go down, go down, go down, and and it was humbling. But at the same time, Jesus was very encouraging. Just kept saying, "You're going to see what I'm promising you, but first you have to see me." And, yeah, that's. Good. I remember a statement I, I when I w was a teenager and I was first going into ministry full time. I ran into a guy named David named Leonard Ravenhill. Um, Lots of people remember Ravenhill. He's not alive anymore, but he was, he was like a, one of the deepest prayer warriors and, and theologian revivalists that I've ever met. And Leonard Ravenhill said to me, before you go out, you've got to learn to go up. Hmm. That's good. And I like was, that. This was early 90s when nobody was talking about ascension. Now, now it's becoming common, but this idea that we can go up and we don't have to wait for the the resurrection we can go up any time but before you can go out to minister to the world you've got to go up and he said before you go up you got to go down hmm. the, the humbler you are letting jesus have his way the more you're going to see and the more you're going to understand what he's doing and then he will never ever imagine doing it without you and he just gets he just gets giddy as a king when he includes us in what he's doing. Yeah. But that was go up before you can go out. And then then the last part of that is when you go up, you got to go in. And <clears throat> the secret to going out and transforming the world is to go to in, into Jesus and really begin to operate within his heart on a level that he had with his father. Yeah. So that changed my focus um, when I began to, to, it sounds real simple, but when I began to pray for that, I stopped doing as much, but what I was doing was very fruitful. And then it, it became almost 90% going out to other places and serving a city or a community or people where I wouldn't benefit personally from it if it came to their community. And, and God did this sewing thing in me, like, you've got to, you've got to produce some first fruits and you can't touch the fruit. You've got to let the local people in that area have the fruit and have what I'm telling them 
and you'll exit as soon as I show up. Um, I think that's actually was going on much more with the apostles and the prophets of old than we've understood. Mm -hmm. We read the glory story and we don't always understand that as soon as that miracle happened, they often would dis they would often disappear and th the church would emerge from the power and presence of God. They yeah. show back yeah. up, they maintain relationship, <clears throat> but the way they focused on what God was doing seems to be a little different than we've done. So I I found myself after a while focusing on about 28 areas in the world and trying to understand how can we bring the presence of God on a level where in this local spot, every man, woman, and child can get saved and and not only get saved, but, but start acting like Jesus and being like Jesus. Yeah. And that's been a lifelong pursuit. I'm along the way. I've learned a little bit, uh, now, I, I got to shift a little bit from that because one of the things that started happening while I'm looking for what are you doing, God, instead of what do I want you to do, right? is God started dealing with me about weather and about dealing with iniquities. And I didn't have a grid for it doctrinally at all. I knew what an iniquity was. I knew we needed to get sins out of our life. But I had no idea that weather globally is actually attached in some mysterious ways with iniquity. And when I started looking at where I grew up, of course, we, we live close to where a lot of tornadoes occur. And a lot of the places I was traveling in the world, God was, the, the weather would shift as soon as I would show up. And I, I'd get there and it would, there would be some, I mean, my, you know, some of my friends said, you've driven into more hurricanes than anybody we've ever known. And, <laughs> but I started seeing this pattern where um, it's not the storm that is deadly. It's when a normal storm becomes life-threatening, it's yeah. always, always crossing over a spot where iniquity is unrepentant. That is interesting. You know, we moved here to Colorado Springs, and, um, uh, you know, I've just had some engagement with uh, um, nature, in a sense, and, and Pikes Peak... Um, Obviously, because it's been such a, a high place, uh, has been definitely abused and, and misused. And um, sure. there's been multiple storms that have come through here. And, you know, during the summer, you can go weeks on end getting these little 15, 20-minute thunderstorms that break out for just, you know, real briefly, like I said, 15, 20 minutes over the region. And I, and I have definitely felt at times that... Hey, you know, I, I would actually speak to the storm and just say, I understand, you know, you're coming through and you've got, you know, there's, you can tell there's, um, I don't know if viciousness is the right word, but it's definitely got some power in it. And right. just praying, you know, that, you know, do what you got to do, but don't take any life and please don't damage anything. Because, uh, right. I mean, they get pretty wild around here. Pretty, I mean, I'm sure it's not like a hurricane, but um, I, I've wondered about the connection there. Definitely have wondered about that. Well, the the problem is, is like where they originate and where they do damage, often quite a distance apart. It's when they become a monster, they're generally crossing over in their path a spot where there's iniquity and God knows about it and we're not repenting for it or we don't even know it's there. And it's like the frequency of that innocent bloodshed or whatever the iniquity is, it changes 
the atmosphere. So when the storm that should be a normal rain or a normal benefit for us crosses over that spot, it becomes a monster and becomes deadly. Um, <clears throat> when I looked at tornadoes that way, one little town in Oklahoma had gotten hit 28 times in 40 years. Wow. And I started looking at that, you know, they would just call them Tornado Alley and everybody chalks it up as, well, you just built your town in the wrong place. But <laughs> when I looked at that community, I found if you got a traffic ticket there, you're going to pay the full fine. But if you rape or molest or kill somebody, you're probably going to get off. Wow. And, and then every single court case I could find that had involved uh, sexual molestation or um, pedophile stuff, it it never it, it never made the news. It just got squelched. It got it got um, you know kicked under the curb. And and even when people would hear about it, it would just go away. And very often it was churches. So I saw one tornado come through that community, and it missed every neighborhood. It missed every apartment complex. It took out. Um, almost all the nightclubs that took out liquor stores and it took out almost every church in its path. Wow. And when, when I looked at that, mm. I thought this is just too bizarre. Like the, it's like that thing had a mind of its own, but why did it include the churches? And another time I saw a similar tornado in size and it, it left every church alone. It missed every one. But so I started trying to just say, God, what are you showing me? Cause I don't understand this. And, and I thought these things were just random, that we're just subject to weather because it's part of the design of the earth. And the Lord said to me, I steer the storm with my finger. And I cast out demonic things with the finger of father, finger of my father. Yeah. So I started looking at this as it's not demonic in the sense of its uh, principality trying to kill us. It's demonic in something set up over the land. It's not supposed to be there. We've given it license in some way because we either were guilty of doing it or we let it happen under a watch and we didn't bring justice. Yeah. And I'm not saying that in any way to sound condemning. It's It's been a, an eye-opening thing for me and humbling to say we're supposed to be sitting in the gates and making judicial decisions with the king about what's going on in town and we generally don't do that. We wait till decisions are made and they're detrimental. And then we go to prayer, start asking God for right. help. And so I, I, I did an experiment. I took one spot where no church was doing very well. No one seemed to be able to change it. Businesses weren't prospering. We had, a, we had like a void spot in the city where it was about three square miles in circumference. And it's just like, this is our dead space. This is the spot that nobody wants to be. Hmm. And I just simply asked God, would you open my eyes and show me what's there? You know, because that spot was getting, getting hit with weather uh, quite a bit too. And I didn't know if they were related, but I thought maybe. <clears throat> I found a court case that happened in 1960 where 39 kids had been molested and then it was covered up and even the the case itself was sealed by a judge and the kids were told you can't ever talk about this for the rest of your life or you'll go to jail. Wow. And then the church was sold off and turned into a nightclub and it had a nightclub on the, on the top where the sanctuary used to be, had a witch's coven in the basement. Wow. And, wow. 
and then it became the magnet for every kind of vice and illegal transactions that you could come up with in the city. It was it was the it was the circle that marked the spot. If you were going to be in the crime families, you were going to be involved in that area of the city. And the Lord said to me, this spot belongs to me. It was a gift to me from someone righteous and the iniquity has to be removed. And so I, I started looking at how do you do that? I, I mean, it's a long story going to the, the, all the details, but the weather side of it, God said to me, once you see this, you'll see the pattern in the weather. And then I'm going to enlarge that so you can understand what I'm doing with uh, patterns of iniquity all over the world. So what's happened to me in the last 20 years from that that original one, by the way, we walked that out. It took about eight months to, to dig into it, and we brought some repentance to that spot. And when that when that one church was handed back over to Jesus' stewardship and repentance came to that spot on that dirt, you know, I'm not talking about the sanctuary and the, all, the none of the people that were there before came and helped. Even mm -hmm. the denomination was not very cooperative. But the, the guy that owned it said, whatever Jesus wants, he can have the keys to this place. I don't want to be on God's bad side. And, when, and his repentance from a, a, a wicked man's testimony, that was the way he would have described himself before. His repentance was just simply giving the keys back over to Jesus, saying whatever God wants is a good yeah. thing. When that repentance happened on that spot, um it was then sold and transferred and became a church again. Hmm. Then three square miles of, of Oklahoma city, suddenly like a dam broke and it started transforming. And we ended up in eight months from the repentance on that spot, we ended up with over $5 billion invested in our city wow. from people that were un, uninvolved in that. They just suddenly showed up and wanted to rebuild this community. And, <laughs> what I saw is God said to me, none of this looks like if you go to the sanctuaries in Oklahoma, they won't even understand that I did this. Mm -hmm. Like I, I knew it because I was involved from the beginning, but there was, there was just a small core group of people that walked that through with me and responded the way Jesus wanted. But when we saw the massive benefit to the community, it said to me, this is what my kingship looks like. And most of my body is so out of touch with my ways. They don't even know when I'm moving in their city in answer to their prayers. Yeah. Yeah. And again, it goes back to that motive. If it doesn't happen in their life or home or sanctuary, then we sometimes don't realize that God may be answering our, our prayers right down the street. Right. Right. No, that's good. So one of the things I want to, I want to ask, uh, and, and we'll come, we'll come back to this right after the break, but you know, I'm sure there are people out there who are wondering or they're thinking, I know spots like that. How do I deal with that? And so when we come back after this break, uh, maybe we can touch on that. Sure. So we'll be right back. Join the Kingdom Restoration Age Conference in November to practice stepping into the heavens with recognized leaders of the movement. We're living in one of the most exciting times in history. The world is crying out for the order and the simplicity, the purity and the beauty of the kingdom. And you'll learn various different tools and techniques to engage you with the kingdom of heaven that are gonna enable you navigate this next season of your life. To administrate the kingdom of Yahweh 
on earth today to explore how to know and make Jesus known. This interactive online experience will give you actionable steps that you'll begin taking from day one of this multi-day practicum. Join us at the Kingdom Restoration Age online conference as we learn together how to bring the kingdom into the earth. All right, I'm back with Timothy and had just asked the question. So Timothy, if, if somebody recognizes a spot in their city, in their region, and they kind of identify with what you just shared, that story, uh, what would be some of the steps you would give to them or what would you tell them in terms of dealing with that region, that area? Well, if it's weather related, often that's telling us where the spot is, but sometimes people just sense those things in their heart and they know something's wrong here. I don't know what it is. Yeah. Um, God's very gracious. When we're, when we're concerned about our community, he'll be talking to us about it. But the first thing I tell people is we got to start inquiring of the Lord more instead of just moving, um, with faith and power, we've got to ask some questions and then move with faith and power. And whatever he's doing, we should be doing. Yeah. But the, the, it sounds so simple, but the switch from I'm going to tell God what to do to I'm going to ask Jesus what he's doing, and then I'm going to jump in on it. That's, that's the big switch. Now, when you focus yeah. on a spot and you see it, and you say, oh, I think there's something wrong here, and you inquire the Lord about it. To me in Scripture, that is uh, evident in half a dozen places where they sat in the gate and legislated but legislating in the gate of a city really is more about inquiring the Lord than it is about passing a law. Um, That's good. Uh, where, where do you get that concept? Is there a scripture that you get for that? Well, in the Old Testament, almost every transaction you see that was legal, like Abra one, one would be in Genesis when Abraham buys the burial plot for Sarah, he sits in the gate of Hebron Mm -hmm. And he negotiates with Ephron, and he makes the deal. You know, why did he sit in the gate to make the deal? Because that's where transactions are supposed to occur. But part of this is understanding the way God shows up as a king. He doesn't always come to your address. He sometimes wants you to go to the spot where he's hanging out. So the, the better we can understand the gates of regions and, and cities, uh, and it's not, I mean, there's a lot of people that have some insight on this. I don't claim to be exclusive, but in almost every city, there's historical spots where you go, city I'm gate. driving in now, and I see the sign that says, welcome to the city. Yeah. And then there's other spots where we can find where the city was birthed at this spot, and those, mm -hmm. those are generally <clears throat> the things I'm talking about. Now, what Just, I find is very often in Scripture, God would tell somebody, go over here, like Elijah, for instance, go over here to the river Kibar, and then I'll speak to you. Why did he have to go somewhere else in order to have a conversation? Because the, the spot facilitated the topic that God wanted to talk to him about. That's good. And so when we do that, um, first of all, it's always the premise of I'm asking God how every man, woman, and child in this city or region can be saved. So what's blocking a move of God from happening. You know, we, the first thing I had to repent for when I started looking at these kinds of spots was get the idea, get the religious mindset out of my head that revival comes suddenly and we don't know why and we don't know when God's going to flip the switch. Yeah. And he just kept saying, if you'll sit in the right place, 
and inquire of me, when you get the pattern right, the glory always comes. And so okay. when, as I, so I practiced that and, and traveled, first of all, the old custom in the Old Testament, you can find this over and over. Anytime they went on a journey, if they didn't know somebody in a community they would go through, they would go sit in the square or sit in the gate and they would wait till someone showed them some hospitality. And that would become a divine encounter. Now, when I started understanding that, I, I, I first of all had to learn to travel that way where I couldn't plan a meeting ahead of time. I couldn't, you know, do the normal advertisings and promotions and tell everybody I was coming. I would have to go just sit somewhere where nobody knew me and wait until God brought somebody up to me that he wanted to connect me with. And then the kingdom of God would begin to emerge. Learning to walk that way was a complete transformation of how I minister to this day. But then it, it wrapped back around to this weather thing where, where God started saying, I mean, I just simply asked him in, in, in 2008, I said, Jesus, I've been to 28 cities this year. And everywhere I've gone, there's been a drastic weather change. Like, what's going on? Yeah. And he said, well, <laughs> some of that is because you're hearing me. And some of that is because you have grace to deal with it. And some of that is just because I, I'm ordering your steps. Your, your timing ended up here when I'm moving. And right. so the, the biggest change for me was looking at a storm, even one that may be life-threatening and deadly, as a move of God. That was eye-opening to me to even consider that. So when I looked at a community in a foreign country, I won't say where, just so I don't, you know, I'll get sidetracked, but I went to a foreign country. I didn't know much about it. I didn't know where the problems were. I just was inquiring, Lord. They got hit with a hurricane while I was there. And within just a few hours of the hurricane passing over in front of me, I then could tell where there was problems that needed to be addressed by where we needed to rebuild. But yeah. instead of just going and saying, let me help you rebuild, I began to ask people in the rubble, why do you think this spot got hit? What was going on here? And I, and I, I found the iniquities that needed to be exposed. Hmm. Uh, I'm convinced now there's a lot of people just to throw this out. There's a whole lot of people that are praying for sexual trafficking and yeah, for those kinds are. of things to come to the end and drugs and stuff. And <clears throat> I tell you that they are running on ancient trade routes and so are the weather patterns. It's not global warming. It's global God moving. Well, God's this moving is, in a we've not understood. And so I'm, I'm just learning the pattern. Then, when you get it on the ground, a person just sits in a spot and asks Jesus what's going on here, and he loves to answer that. And that, that to me, is a key. And, you know, one of the things that we teach, we've got three plumb lines, and the, and the third plumb line is ask the Father. Because right. there's so many situations where we just dive in, we jump in, think we know what we're doing when we haven't asked the Father. And like you said at another point, that... Um, 
you know, could be a hurricane or a storm coming, but it's got a father's got a purpose behind it, and we could be praying against what he's doing. So we have to be careful of that. So we're gonna have to uh, wrap things up here for part one, but I'm looking at part two, and I'm thinking I, I would love to hear more what you have to say about the gates in the regions and the cities, and what it looks like when God shows up as King. Um, yeah, that's the topic I really like right now. <laughs> all right, good, 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 because uh, that's that's what we'll look at then in part two. So, uh, Timothy, I, I really, really honor you and bless you. I'm honored just having you on the show. So thank you for coming on. It's been a blessing. Thank you. Yeah, it's a blessing to be here with you. And so, just want to say to our listeners, if you're interested in seeing uh, the behind the scenes portions of uh, these shows, uh, go to our website, KingdomTalksMedia.com. And click on the partnership section, and in there, there's a behind-the-scenes section that you can go to. Um, just really appreciate each and every one of you. And don't miss part two, where, as I just mentioned, we'll talk about the gates, the regions, the cities, and God showing up as king. So, blessings to all of you. Thank you. Take care. Thank you for taking time out to listen to Kingdom Talks. You can find out more about Kingdom Talks Media and our mission to unite in faith and grow as mature sons at KingdomTalksMedia.com. Please continue to like, subscribe, and share with your friends. You can find us on Facebook, YouTube, Spreaker, Spotify, iTunes, Fringe Radio Network, and many more places. Go to our website to find links to all of our media outlets, as well as fantastic online courses and conferences including the life-changing interactive course, Ultimate Impact. And last but not least, we ask that you consider partnering with us to fulfill the mission to get these messages to the world. To become a partner, go to the Partnership tab on our website. Thank you, and until next time, live a blessed life and keep carrying us in your heart and sharing us wherever hearts are open.